In times like these, I so appreciate the freedom I have to walk around streets and roam areas of the cities I venture into for my day-to-day life. Not everyone always has this ability, and throughout the world, unfortunately, too many roads in the past and present do not provide its passengers with the opportunity to experience these seemingly small wonders and delights safely. It is times like these I focus my attention and appreciate the peculiarities of our environment that little bit more. Different tones of bricks, slightly crooked windows or windowsills filled with seemingly mismatched objects just suddenly look that little more interesting and special. Our streets, our built environment and the ability to look at things just slightly differently is something some artists dedicate their practices to. One such a jewellery artist is Lisbeth Buscher, whose work has transcended the traditional small-scale jewellery is made in, expanded the palette of materials jewellery can be made of, and in some cases ventured into other creative disciplines to communicate her ideas on jewellery. To talk about what fascinates her as an artist and researcher, and to ponder the wonders of cities, spaces, and the orchestration of interventions that enable reviewing and reimagining, I am excited to welcome Lisbeth. Yeah, thank you for the nice introduction. <laughs> so Lisbeth, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do? Uh, yeah, so I'm a jewellery designer or an artist. It uh, varies a bit how I call myself. I'm from Belgium, but I'm living in Amsterdam. My studio is also based in Amsterdam. And I work with about around jewellery and yeah, more specifically archetypal jewellery. So that's kind of jewellery that it's known to a larger audience. And what I find interesting about this type of jewellery is that it's yeah, it's, it holds both personal stories as well as larger narratives, like socially, historically, economically. And actually, these types of jewellery, I connect to public space. And yeah, I'm most known for my urban jewellery series, in which I yeah link this archetypal jewellery with elements I find on the street, with urban items. But I also make objects. Uh, I work with printed matter. And occasionally... I make wearable jewellery. I want to follow on immediately when you said that you call yourself a designer and sometimes an artist, depending on the situation. Could you share a little bit more about what you think that distinction is between a designer and a jewellery artist? Yeah, I'm not like a typical jewellery designer in in, uh, making small scale work, working with precious metals or more like a contemporary jeweler working with a variety of material so in that sense I would call myself rather an artist but I I'm really trained as a jewelry designer and I also work with the same care and the same attention and the same yeah it's like a like my gaze is the is is a gaze of a jewelry designer so therefore I switch between those uh, those two terms yeah and I think it's also something I very much treasure like like being trained as a jewelry designer being capable of yeah transmitting the capacity of a jewelry designer into something different so you studied jewelry design in saint lucas in belgium what drew you to the subject of jewelry then and these specific studies yeah i have a um, kind of an 
a typical trajectory. I first, uh, after high school, I studied cinematography. It was more like a technical training, although there was also some attention for content-based uh, uh, approach. And so after that, I uh, worked uh, one season for Big Brother. <laughs> I often call that like a, a youth sin. But after that, I worked as a journalist for television for a current affairs magazine. Um, but I was really young. And uh, at that time, I thought I found it like an ego-driven world in which I basically was too young to survive. And so I decided to stop there. And at that time, there was like a system in Belgium where you could keep your contract and start studying uh, to see whether a new yeah, a new uh, path would fit you better. And so I decided to study jewelry. And yeah, it's kind of funny because I opted for jewelry because of the romance of the craft. Eh? I was very much intrigued by the atmosphere of the studio, the hand handcraft, the tools they were using, the fire, there was music playing. So that was my idea of jewelry, more like, yeah, more like a classical uh, approach. And so I was pretty confused when I first, when I did my first assignment, because I had kind of expectations and that didn't, uh, yeah, fit what what I was making. So I remember that my first assignments, they were already too big to fit on the kitchen table. So this working big is really in my nature. And I went uh, after a couple of years at uh, St. Lucas, where I did a BA, I went as an exchange student to the Rietveld Academy. And I think like every exchange student, you have a small or bigger crisis. And um, because I was really questioning what I was doing in the jewelry department, because I couldn't deal with this very small scale objects or jewelry pieces or, or concepts. And when I was at the Rietveld, I participated in a project and we it was an exchange uh, program between the Rietveld Academy and the Kathmandu University and I did a project in Nepal with uh, Pukar Rizal he was my partner my and we made we repaired a street in Kathmandu with tiles we made ourselves so it was for the first time I worked in public space and I really had a sparkle there and and since then I, I knew more and more or what I wanted to do with jewelry, what I, what I could do with jewelry. And from that, yeah, it, it was, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of, of my, my profession. Your work now very much transcends disciplinary boundaries and public space, both acts as an inspiration and as areas for intervention. What is it about our urban landscapes that inspire you? It's a complex environment. On the one hand, a city or the street feels free. You can do a lot of things. I did also, I, I did some guerrilla-wise work on the street without any permission. But on the other hand, it's a highly regulated uh, environment. And I think I'm less uh, interested or less busy with social aspects, but more and more with the physical environment, the environment we move through. And that's something that has, yeah, that doesn't get that much attention when you talk about urbanism or or look at uh, people or, or companies who are busy with uh, with uh, the built environment and I'm interested in what's called in-between architecture so it's much about noticing what you see so it's some it are urban elements that you that are there but you don't notice them anymore and I 
to attach that with archetypal jewelry, I kind of create a rereading of a place. And I think, yeah, that's important that you bring out an intimate practice as jewelry design to this very open, accessible space. One intervention in the city of Name has really stayed with me, the five large necklaces that you displayed there around the city. So by enlarging these types of jewelry and placing them on these non-human bodies, our perception is altered of those pieces, but also, as you say, of the places. So can you tell us more about perhaps this specific project where working on a large scale is is this key feature on, in your work? I suddenly realized, do I work on large scale? Of course I do, but I also adapt my work to the to the city, to the streets, if you consider these urban elements as body parts or the city mm. as a body. So as a sculpture, they're really not that big, but in comparison with jewelry design, they're, they're, they're pretty big. But the Namur project, it was a question from the city of Namur, and it was for a summer exhibition, and it was um, yeah, a very uh, open question they got, so I could choose the place where I wanted to work. And I didn't opt for the city center, but I decided to work uh, more um, in the edges uh, or of the city, in the, um, around the city center. And there are two rivers, the Samar and the Meuse. And during summer, they transform. So they kind of switch from being an environment for transport, for work, to a place for leisure. And I decided to work with that transformation. I was inspired by that and to refer to it. And I created five big necklaces with stainless steel pendants that refer to both this transport, work and leisure, like... I, there was an ice cream pendant and palm tree, but also an anchor and a steering wheel of a boat. And I made them all of out of nautical material. So very thick rope or heavy stainless steel chains. And I placed them along those two rivers. Uh, so it was like a route you could follow through through the city. The choice of materials and techniques to work on these scales is, of course, different than when you are working on a smaller scale. Could you elaborate on then the techniques and the material choices you make in the creation of these larger pieces? I don't have a favorite material or a, or a technique. I work really concept-based, so I start with a concept, with something that inspires me, what triggers me to think about, and then I search for the right material or the, a technique that fits to the concept. So it means I've been working with fluorescent lamps and I've done the electricity. I worked with plastics, with metals. So, uh, yeah, uh, I did some blueprint posters. And this delving into these material and techniques and getting to know them, how they work, how they, uh, yeah, how basically like like how you do it. It's, it's an important part of my, my process. And also this whole process of 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 finding out these techniques, finding out the right materials, trying different options, also shapes the final outcome. And uh, in that sense, it's kind of similar to jewelry or to jewelers and jewelry design that I work with my hands. Yeah, they go through my hands to make uh, the design. 
And I work in a similar way, like like traditional jewelers or contemporary jewelers with the, yeah, what I already mentioned with this preciseness with care. So I, yeah, I sometimes can, it can take me days uh, about one centimeter more or less on a scale, which is like three meters. So in that sense, this finishing uh, is, is, is really part of the work as well. And especially with the Namur project, I connected the inspiration, the location, the story together with the material to communicate a narrative. Not always the case. Sometimes it refers to jewelry material if you if I use metal, but I also do the other way around. So that's quite recent that I also work with. For example, stones, I'm recently starting to work with bricks and to, yeah, to take material from the city and to see how I can use a material uh, from the city and to, yeah, tr through the lens of jewellery, make new stories with that material. Given that you work in an open space or public space for the work, for example, in, in Namur, the, there's of course going to be people who are going to see your work that might not have expected it in that context. Is that engagement part of the practice and how do you capture that in any way or do you want to capture that in any way? Not so much, not really. One aspect to engage with people is my choice of jewelry. The types of jewelry I choose, I know are well known by a broader audience. And so therefore they can be read by a larger audience, but I don't capture their reaction or I'm not changing a design because I think it will get more, more reaction. So some of the designs are, yeah, my work is also about noticing and that people can kind of rediscover a, a surrounding which is familiar to them. And sometimes the work is smaller, not really on scale, but it has uh, it's a smaller intervention. Uh, and sometimes the work is like a larger intervention. That's another engagement with an audience. And what I also do is what is also important in my work is a documentation. So the work installed in the city is actually seen by not that many people, but I do also communicate with uh, my, my photos. And I consider these photos as documentation. So they're not the artwork itself. So I don't print them in, on glossy paper and frame them, for example. But it's really a way to, yeah, to communicate, to, to, to show it to, to a larger audience. And the medium of photography, do you feel that that, adequately serves as a documentation purpose or are there limitations to photography as such? As documentation, I think they serve quite well because they look at something, the two things they know, they know these pieces of jewelry and they know the city and the combination triggers that something. And it's also what I also hope is that they start to see their own pieces in the city that I don't almost don't have to make them anymore. So it's also a kind of method that they can adapt and, and, and see the jewelryness of, of the city. Um, so in that sense, I think photography can really serve, yeah, serve this case. You mentioned that you've also ventured into the printed medium and that has become a, a key part of your practice with posters that have, for example, a cutout of a traditional pearl necklace when pasted somewhere, making the background, the necklace and so on. How has this strand of work developed? 
in my graduation, there was already like printed matter. So my graduation was the series of seven urban jewelry pieces installed in Amsterdam. And each uh, work was accompanied by a, by a poster, which I designed together with the graphic designer Rob van Dijsen. And what we, what we did is we removed actually all context. So we only placed the object I created without the uh, urban element or without the environment on a, on a gray background and only the address was listed. And these posters were again placed in the city. So it has like a, yeah, it was like a different layer to, to the work. That was actually the beginning of working with printed matter, also because posters are a communication tool of, of the city. Yeah, that's So there are many or tools where you can communicate in the city, but posters I find very interesting. So I worked with that. I also made, for example, a Leporello. So I traveled through the Netherlands and partly in Belgium, and I photographed all the buildings uh, which the name, the Parel, the Pearl. And there was a beautiful contrast between sometimes the ugliness of the building together with the with the preciousness that this buildings or the shops or this these cafes had for the owner which was reflected in the name the the paddle and so i created like this touristic souvenir like a series of postcards a leporello also to represent the 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 route uh, i traveled through the the, the two countries Perhaps as a multidisciplinary artist, what do you think are the benefits and the disadvantages of working across mediums? I think one of the benefits is it's very rich. There's so many possibilities and you keep challenging yourself. It's never boring. The disadvantage of it is that I, I feel that I have to start all over again. At the beginning of each project, I think like, okay, a new beginning. There is like no... Of course, there is like a continuation, but it doesn't feel there's like not a material I'll, I'll, that that can serve as a starting point. There is not like a type of jewelry that can serve as a starting point. So that would be the disadvantage. Another benefit of this multidisciplinary approach is that it functions in many contexts. Eh? It functions. It 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 resonates in architecture, in urban planning. It's connects to the domain of the public artworks um, and it has a unique position in the jewelry field a disadvantage is that it's i don't have like a like a very clear identity I, with, with that i mean i don't fit in one box i fit in, in different boxes and so i also notice that people often referring to one particular work and that sometimes frustrates me like but I've done so many different things but somehow people wanna yeah wanna have a more clear <laughs> view on someone or some upper or a practice yeah so from, yeah so that 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 were for me the 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 both the benefits and the disadvantages which stand out yeah I, I actually have my own experience with this when I as a conceptual jewelry artist or maker I was told to come up with a label to class all of the work so that people could understand and connect different projects together. Is that something you've encountered that you had to come up with labels or that there had to be a narrative that you could tie all your work together for it to make sense to others? Or is that not an experience you've had? Not really a label. 
but I, I see that people sometimes struggle with the variety of, of different works. And yeah, the work they often refer to is, are the earrings on the streets in Amsterdam. But that's one of the first works I made. So sometimes I'm like, yeah, but I did so many other things. I participated in Munich Jewelry Week last year and and someone said like yeah I, I didn't know it was um I was so confused because you made jewelry and um, yeah I, I find that yeah I, I I enjoy it as 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 well so it's not that I tend to change my work that it would fit a label but yeah it's also difficult to communicate the variety or the different approaches or the different aspects but I see it rather, for me, it feels like an advantage. And I also try to delve a bit deeper into one topic. So not to jump too fast from one, because that's also a bit of a risk that you jump too fast from one project to the other. You you, you do one thing, you have the idea, the concept is there and it, I, it has like a final outcome. Um, so I try to delve a bit deeper into, into a project and try multiple things rather than going for the one thing and then go to the next. Yeah, because if you look to the past, I mean, you know, Leonardo da Vinci famously was scientist, artist, designer. He did lots of things. Do you think it's more difficult because we're part of the jewelry discipline or do you think it's in general currently within the creative field that there is a sort of tendency to try and put people into a box yeah, you see there is often a focus on wearability. Yeah, it needs to be wearable to be a piece of jewelry. And in the strict definition of the word, you can say that's true. But in the less strict definition, there's so many more options. But you see often with open calls or exhibitions that 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 this wearability is very, very on the foreground or that they still have these very strict rules about how a piece should be photographed. Um, so it's also some rules or something that, that the, the, the field sticks to. I don't know why. So so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's something specific for the jewelry field without excluding any other fields maybe they they also have that but i'm yeah i know it from the from the jewelry field and so you have also worked many years as an educator and have set up several projects for artists to also take part in such as this chain project which i myself participated in could you share a little bit more about sort of the things you write the the projects that you set up and do you have perhaps a favorite project you have set up so far? Yeah, I love teaching. I teach less because I started a PhD at Hasselt University and Pixel Med School of Arts, but I, I really love teaching. I, I see great value in working with students to guide them eh, on their path towards becoming a designer or to become something different. So that's 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 one thing. And yeah, one of my favorite project is is a chain project indeed in which you participated and I it's a, a project I did together with my colleagues of uh, St. Lucas School of Art in Antwerp and the project was about a chain an ordinary jewelry chain and we collaborated with Walter Fischer who is a chain manufacturer in in either Oberstein and it already started with a visit to his company. He has like hundreds of machines making these chains. They're all mechanical, so there's hardly a computer in his in the factory. And the only thing you do is like, 
all these machines making, yeah, this these chains. And he donated material, and we invited artists to participate. They received a, a parcel or a package of of different chains, and with the question to work with them. And indeed, you were one of the artists we invited. Also, Annelien Swinner, conversation piece, among others. And then simultaneously, there was a project with students um, and we exhibited in Antwerp at Gallery Valerie Traan and also in Amsterdam at Stirat Art Fair. And the project, I think, was a kind of, of was successful or interesting because it's, yeah, it, it served as a bridge between this more traditional jewelry and contemporary jewelry by, by making use again of like an archetypal uh, jewelry piece. So yeah, that I, that I found um, an interesting project to work on. And the writing, it's yeah, quite recent. I start, st started to write and I wrote a couple of essays, uh, but I'm very much in search of what I wanted to do with them, what my strength is, how I want to write. But during my PhD, I wrote a couple of stories of objects I found in the city. And in connection with jewelry, I I, I connected the, the object I found with jewelry to reveal the story behind them and the stories about uh, the city. So to give an example, I found in the middle of the city a shell, uh, which you normally don't find in the city, but only on the beach. And... I was intrigued by it also because shells or shell beads are the first pieces of jewelry. That's what the beginning of jewelry was. They found something, they picked it up, they made a hole in it, they put it on a string and they could wear it. So I connected actually those two stories and it turned out that the shell is basically a story of sand and it's a, it's a representation of sand suppletion because sand... Yeah, it's, it's not sand. Sand in the city is like there are 20 different types of sand. So it's basically similar to gold or diamonds. It's It's been traded, there is smuggling, um, there's a variety of qualities and properties, and we are more and more in need of sand to build, to expand our city. So it becomes like a scarce material. So that's one of the stories, one of way of writing I'm I'm trying to develop. So you mentioned you are currently working towards a PhD in the Pixel Match School of Art in Hasselt. Could you tell us a little bit more about the research you are conducting there and perhaps if you've already formulated a question you are asking yourself or, a, or a, an area of investigation? It's it's close to what I do in my practice, namely like to connect jewelry with the city or with the streets. And I think jewelry is preeminently a material related material. Uh, it's like through this touchable jewelry that we can interpret it, our history, our way of living, our interrelationships. So I, yeah, I question like what happens when we view our everyday environment, our built environment through the lens of jewelry. And similar to jewelry, I focus on the physical environment, the surroundings you can touch, you can manipulate, your craft. And I identify three categories I work with. Um, so the first is uh, the lingering in habits or like these urban items where I yeah I, which are ubiquitous and they often have like a regulatory function but they attract little or no conscious attention so yeah it's it's the the, the urban items of my urban jewelries like the bollards road signs lanterns 
I have a category which I called ground dwellers. So the objects that compose our city and I have stone as a case study because there is like a long story with stone. So I grew up in Steenorp, which is stone village. And as a kid, I already played at the brickyard, which was like an open space. Yeah, it was quite incredible, but you could go there. We could climb on, on the pallets. First work in public space was with stones yeah it also fits with my intention to switch like not working in public space but working with elements of public space elements of the street and to incorporate them, them in a more artistic environment like a gallery or a museum and the last category is yeah the like the example i gave the shell so objects that only transit the city that are like temporary um i also have like a whole series of pictures of red and white barrier tape in the city so this is also a category of objects i i like to work with finally aside from your phd is there anything that you're currently working on that you are willing to share with us already so what is in store perhaps for you in 2024 or something that we can look forward to? I participate in the Obsessed Jewelry Festival. So together with seven researchers of PXL Med School of Arts, we exhibit at the David Gottlieb Studio in Antwerp. And Obsessed Jewelry Festival is a festival organized by Current Obsession in the Netherlands and Belgium. Um, and it's uh, 24, 25, 26 of November. So pass by if you're around. I present there my Brick by Brick, a series of pendants I carved out of brick. And the shapes are the tools, the trowels. So first Obsessed Jewelry Festival, and I participate again in uh, Munich Jewelry Week together with uh, also two fellow researchers, Maria Konchake, also doing a PhD in Hasselt, and Annalene Swiller, who is postdoctoral researcher. And that's the uh, end of February, beginning of March. And then I present also new works I'm working at the moment. And yeah, I do have a commission uh, in the summer, I hope to install an urban jewel in the city center of Zagreb. So these are the main three things coming up. If all of us would treasure everything around us as much as the most precious of gemstones or jewelry pieces, wouldn't our world look different? When we feel safe and protected, it is easy to take our environment and context for granted. When we are reminded by artists like Lisbeth to see our surroundings in a different light, potentially value them that little bit more, whilst also perhaps questioning the impact of their creation, perhaps we could all see things more clearly. For sharing an insight into her quest to highlight our urban context, repositioning preciousness by upscaling and recontextualizing, and showing us how to cross disciplinary boundaries in the pursuit of the communication of ideas, I would like to thank you very much, Lisbeth. It was really a pleasure to listen to your inspirations and approach. Yeah, thank you too. It has been a pleasure for me too. Next month, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. But for now, this was Sophie Boons for the BAJ podcast episode titled Urban Jewelry Thinking with Lisbeth Buscher. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.